It's my pleasure to invite a friend of mine, Ricky Leonard, to come and introduce Paul and uh, Jean, who will be sharing with us. Thank you. Praise God. Well, I'm blessed today to have our friends here from England. Um, many of you know I'm an evangelist. I travel in different parts of the world. But uh, these are some special people that I've known for seven or eight years now, I guess, or maybe ten years. I don't know. Something like that. But uh, Paul is an awesome guy. One good thing I can say about them is they're real. You know, I like people that are real. I don't like fake people. And they have integrity. And that, to me, that's very important. When I minister with other people around the world, I run into a lot of people that don't have integrity. And, uh, but these people are, are serious. And Paul is doing an awesome work. And he's going to tell you about that this morning. And thank you, Steve, for giving them an opportunity to share this with your people. Thank you. Paul and Jean, why don't you come? Um, <clears throat> again, we are excited about God turning his church outward during these days. Jean, uh, share a scripture with us, and you can use this. Yeah. Hello, everyone. You all right? Okay, just uh, going to read Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. Jesus entering the G uh, Jerusalem as a king. After Jesus said this, he went on toward Jerusalem. As Jesus came near Bethphage and Bethany, towns near the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent, two of his, he sent out two of his followers. He said, go to the town you can see there. When you enter it, you will find a donkey tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here to me. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say the master needs it. The two followers went into town and found the donkey, just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying it, its owners came out and asked the followers, Why are you untying my donkey? The followers answered, The master needs it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their coats on the donkey's back, and put Jesus on it. As Jesus rode, down Jerusalem, rode toward Jerusalem, others spread their coats on the road before him. As he was coming out, uh, sorry, as he was coming close to Jerusalem on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of followers began joyfully shouting praise to God for all the miracles they had seen. They said, God bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. There is peace in heaven and glory to God. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell your followers not to say these things. But Jesus answered, I tell you. If my followers didn't say these things, then the stones would cry out. Thank you, Jean. Good morning. I'm from um, a place called Yorkshire in England. Um, a typical greeting there is A-up. A-up. See, I'm teaching you how to speak proper English. Is that, is that good? <laughs> e by gum. That means sort of an exclamation of goodness me. Um, Sithi, that means goodbye. Um, tin, 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 that means it isn't in the tin. Tin, tin, tin. <laughs> so you can impress your, your family later this afternoon with these Yorkshire sayings. But it's fantastic to be here and thank you to, to Steve for inviting us. And um, it's fantastic just to come and share our story with you. 
Um, I'll just comment on the, the Palm Sunday story, and uh, what a fantastic day to be here with you on Palm Sunday. Um, the thing that strikes me in that story was that Jesus chose a donkey as his mode of transport. Jesus chose the ordinary and the everyday to achieve the profound and world-changing. Jesus chose the ordinary and the everyday to achieve the profound and the world-changing. I think that is such a message. You know, he could have had anything. He's the Son of God, he's the King of Kings, he's the Lord of Lords. You know, he could, he could have had the finest horse, he could have had chariots, he could have had carriages, he could have had people carrying him, he could have had private jets, the top-range cars, if they'd been invented. But instead, he chose the humblest, the most humble, the most ordinary, the most everyday he could to make the statement that he made on Palm Sunday. And I think God wants to use our ordinary and everyday to achieve the profound and the world-changing for other people. So when you're washing up, do people still wash up these days or do we all have dishwashers? When you're filling the dishwasher, when you're catching a bus, uh, you know, or when you're queuing up in a fast food restaurant, or when you're sat in a restaurant, God wants to use your ordinary and everyday to show people around you who God is. I love the line in that song, may our, even our smile help show the fatherhood of God. So can I encourage you as a church, just use your ordinary and everyday, especially in this coming week, Holy Week, just to show your communities, your family, your friends, those you encounter, the love that God has for each and every person, just in your ordinary and everyday. Um, I'm here to speak about um, something we set up in England. Now, in fact, I'll tell you the story, shall I? Um, I'm from a place called Halifax. Um, it's um, not the Canadian one, it's the British one. Um, a small town, in fact, probably about the same size as Wilmington, 90,000 population, um, 200,000 in the borough. Um, it's in a place called Yorkshire, in sort of the north of England. Um, and on weekend evenings, going back many, many years, it was known as the Wild West of West Yorkshire. People would come from all over the north of England on, on coach tours, on bus tours, for a night out in Halifax. Um, by a night out, I mean they came to drink, lots of alcohol, um, and, and really the place, the town centre, had become out of control on Friday and Saturday nights. And um, I took Jean on some romantic moonlit strolls. She may have a slightly different version, but there we go. Um, around the town centre... And what we saw was really horrendous. Uh, we regularly saw people just lying in the, in the street, in the gutter. Uh, we saw bottles being thrown. We saw people covered in blood. Uh, we saw trails of blood just leading off as people just wandered away, bleeding and, and in all sorts of mess. We saw fights breaking out on every street corner. You know, it was a real horrible place to be on Friday and Saturday nights. And we thought, as Christians, our town deserves better than the things that were happening on weekend evenings. Um, so we went to the local churches who had this wonderful cafe facility, and we said, wouldn't it be great to open our cafe um, on a weekend evening between sort of 9 p.m. and 3 o'clock in the morning as a safe place for those that kind of become vulnerable within this whole mess of a night time? And the churches said, yeah, we think you'll be murdered, but we'll say yes anyway. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that says, but there we go. Um, and a week later, I was sat in a meeting with the town centre police sergeant, um, kind of the, the, the police officer in charge of the town centre. 
And I went up to him and I introduced myself and I shared our idea and he got very excited. Has anybody ever seen an excited policeman? <laughs> it's great when it happens. And he said, let me go away and talk to my bosses because um, the police is very hierarchical in England so you've got to talk to the top man before he can make a decision at the bottom layer. And he says, and let me come back to you. He came back to us a week later even more excited. Uh, and he sat down in this meeting and he said to us, Nationally, in the UK, it is recognised by the police that when the church gets involved, amazing results happen. We don't understand why, we don't understand how, but somehow you have the answer to the problems in our town and city centres. Isn't it great when the police, and this was a non-Christian police officer, come to a meeting saying, hey, as a church, you are the answer. I think that's just fantastic. Praise God for that. Uh, so he says, we're going to support you, we're going to back you, we're going to give you £1,000 in cash. How many you know the police often turn up with £1,000 in their back pockets? Is that, is that normal in Wilmington? <laughs> uh, we'll give you training, we'll do whatever we can, uh, but we would like you to launch in two weeks' time. Uh, this was Friday the 25th of November 2005. Um, the reason they wanted us to launch was there was a, a change in the licensing laws in the UK and, and kind of this 24-hour drinking culture came in. Um, and also it was the busiest time of the year, Christmas, uh, when more people go out into the town centre that perhaps aren't used to the town centre on weekend evenings. Um, so we said, well, yeah, the church doesn't do much anyway in December. <laughs> so, so, so let's commit to opening our cafe on Friday and Saturday nights between 9 o'clock and 3 in the morning. We sent an email round to all the churches in the town. Um, the local newspaper had this very helpful headline that said, drop by if you're drunk. It wasn't, <laughs> wasn't quite where we were heading, but there we go. Um, and we turned up at 9 o'clock on this Friday night, not having a clue what we were doing and not having a clue what to expect. Amazingly, 50 people turned up to volunteer that night, which I think is quite outstanding. People who God had kind of put on their hearts that the town centre deserved better than the things that were happening on weekend evenings. So we thought, well, we can't just sit in the cafe waiting for people to come to us because there was too many people in the cafe that if people wanted to come in for help, they wouldn't actually fit in to get help. Um, so let's go out into the town centre, onto the streets to see what the needs and the problems and the issues are out there as opposed to waiting for people to come to us. Actually, that's an important lesson for the church. Now, so often we sit here waiting for people to come to us. As actually, we need to go to them. Amen. amen. I've got an amen on the front, though. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where the whole concept and idea and vision of Street Angels was born. Safe people that would patrol the towns in teams of three, um, just looking out for people and, and running a safe place, dropping cafe um, back at our base. And amazingly, it worked. Uh, in the first six weeks, we helped 69 different people, ranging from people earlier on in the evening that had been to the theatre, and we'd hang out outside the theatre and walk people back to the, the bus stop or to their cars or to the taxi or work with them until the lifts came or whatever. Uh, and as the evening kind of progressed, people obviously got slightly drunker, um, and more inebriated, and we dealt with all the problems and the issues that alcohol and, and drugs and all of that brings. Um, and it worked. Amazingly, it worked. Um, I'll tell you the story. This is from our second weekend. Um, we came across two fairly youngish-looking young ladies. 
um, who stood outside one of the banks. And as we approached, um, we worked out that having a uniform was probably a good idea. So we bought some fluorescent yellow jackets. Um, so we'd patrol in fluorescent yellow just to be kind of visible in the town centre. And as we approached them, they kind of wandered off um, and down the alleyway, um, down a snicket, is that the American? Sort of a small road into quite a horrible, a horrible pub um, that kind of was, was well known for not being the nicest place in the town centre. Um, 15, 20 minutes later, we got a call on the radio to this pub. One of these girls had passed out and was unconscious in the toilets. Um, the other girl was still conscious, so they carried her out, put her in the alleyway and said, um, can street angels come and help? Um, so I turned up with um, Jean and another lady, and this girl was in a real mess. Um, quite a youngish looking girl, long blonde hair, um, dressed in a sort of t-shirt and a short skirt for a cold December night when it was snowing. Um, so she wasn't the best well dressed, but that's how people tend to go out for a night out in, in the UK. Um, we kind of turned up, as we turned up she was sick. Um, so she's been rolling around the toilet floor, so I'll leave that to your imagination what she was probably covered in. Um, she was a mess, and we thought, well, we can't leave her here on this cold, damp, um, snowy sort of night outside. Let's take her back to our cafe. And so we picked her up, and she fell down. So we picked her up again, and she fell down. So we thought, okay, we can't walk her back to the cafe. Let's carry her back to the cafe. Uh, so Jean and the other lady picked her up, uh, one at the, the shoulders and one by the legs, and we set off carrying her from this alleyway back to our cafe base. As we got to the end of the alley, another team of street angels was coming down the road, and one came up to her and says, Paul, I'm her teacher. She's 14 years old. So we kind of thought, okay, we'll deal with that one later. We carried her through the town centre, got her back to our cafe, um, eventually found a mobile phone on her, a cell phone, uh, phoned her parents, who basically said, don't send her home in that state, we're not interested. Um, so we're kind of stuck with this young lady. We, we, we cleaned her up and sorted her out and gave her some new clothes to put on so she wasn't as much of a mess as she was when we brought her in. Um, eventually, after about an hour, we found her sister's phone number, phoned her sister who came into town with a friend to pick her up to take her back to the friend's house. Now, we felt nothing else of it other than we'd helped quite a vulnerable 14-year-old girl who'd gotten into a, a real mess and obviously having all sorts of other issues. Four and a half years later, this girl came up to me in the town centre. She says, oh, you won't remember me, will you? And I said, oh, yes, I do, and sort of recap the story. I think she was a bit shocked that I'd remembered. But you know what? It's, it's good to remember. The ordinary and the everyday is remembering things. Uh, she says, you know, that night changed my life. And she began to tell us her story. And she says she'd been going out into the town centre drinking every weekend from the age of 12. Um, she told us she often wouldn't have um, money to buy drinks, so she'd go and do whatever with um, men in order to get them to give her money to buy drinks for the night. Uh, she says, my relationship with my family was messed up. My, relationship, my, my school life was going nowhere. She says, basically, my life was a mess. And her exact words were, because you idiots in yellow jackets decided that I was worth investing in, you didn't judge me, you didn't criticize me, you didn't tell me off, you simply loved me. I decided that my life was worth more than the life that I was living. She's fantastic, isn't it? So. Yeah. She stopped going out drinking. She sorted out the problems with her family. 
And through the help of the, the street angel teacher who only came that once because he couldn't cope with seeing his, his school pupils in such a state, uh, she settled down at school. She did well at the first level of um, exams called GCSE. She stayed on at school to do her A-levels, which is the second level of exams. And she was at home for the Easter holidays from her first year at university. And she says, my life changed when you guys, you idiots in yellow jackets, were exact phrase, decided that I was worth looking after, caring for, and investing some time and love into. See, when we go out into our communities, we're faced with all sorts of people in all sorts of situations, in all sorts of messes. We don't know the stories, but God does. We don't know the words to say often, but God can plant seeds just through often a smile or a kind word or a kind deed, just like carrying someone through the town back to our cafe. And the heart of what we do as street angels is love the person in front of you. The ordinary and the everyday achieves the profound and world-changing. Love the person in front of you. And I've seen time and time again that just through simple acts of loving the person in front of you has changed people's lives. And we've seen people come into the kingdom. We've seen people have gone from drinking and, and being alcoholics and borderline alcoholics to coming clean and off alcohol and getting their lives back on track. Isn't it amazing what a few wallies, a few idiots, wandering around the town centre in fluorescent yellow jackets can do for people and our communities? So we got to the end of our trial and we thought, shall we stop or shall we carry on? And because we were making such an impact, we kind of thought, let's carry on. Um, in about the February, so we launched in the November, in the February I was invited to a meeting with all the, the, the local councillors. Um, so what, what would the equivalent be? Congress. So City Council, the Congress, the MP, all the police, and they said, come and talk to us about what you're doing and why it's sort of working. Um, so I stood up and I told them the story and a few stories of what we've done. And I said, you know, as Christians, and these were, this was a non-Christian audience, you understand that. Uh, as Christians, when we pray, God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as in heaven, the reality of that, when we pray and put that into action, is that Communities will change, lives will change, the atmosphere will change, crime will come down, peace will become evident on our streets. And they all sat there looking at me thinking, is he, is he real? Is he a bit mad? Is he, is, he, is he, you know, they thought I was mad, basically. When in the November, so 12 months after we launched, they announced that crime, violent crime in Halifax Town Centre had reduced by 42%. And the only thing the police were doing differently was working with the street angels and having them out on the town. These same police were coming back to, you said that would happen. How? Why? And what a fantastic opportunity just to say, you know what, church isn't about Sunday morning, stuck in a building. It's actually about demonstrating that the kingdom of God is a reality. And when we bring and pray and demonstrate that the kingdom of God is a reality for our town, things will change. You know, the atmosphere of the town centre will change. Peace will come. The crime will come down. Isn't that amazing? Somebody, is that somebody important? <laughs> she, she's all panicked now, look, she, she's searching for it. And I won't highlight it, don't worry. <laughs> but isn't it great that the church is the answer to the problems and the issues and the stuff that happens in our communities. The church is the answer. Just look at your neighbour and go, you are the answer. 
Why? Because you are the church. The church isn't the building or the service or the denomination or the, the structure or the events. The church is you. You know what? The church is God's plan A. You are God's plan A. And the even ex more exciting news, he doesn't have a plan B. Wear it. And God wants to use our ordinary and everyday to achieve the profound and the world-changing. And what we do as street angels is often very, very simple and very, very ordinary. So we find that lots of young ladies, it's always ladies, go out in shoes that they can't walk in after half an hour. <laughs> Does anybody want to confess? I see a hand there saying, yes, that's me. <laughs> And, um, you know, most town centres, most city centres are not the best place for walking barefoot at 2 o'clock in the morning. There's broken glass, there's blood, there's sick, there's all sorts of stuff on the street. And yet you find young ladies just walking through the town centre barefoot. So we have these. Flip-flops. Do you call them flip-flops in America? Good. And uh, the number of times I've knelt on the floor, picked a bit of glass out of a young lady's foot, because she stood in glass, Wiped it over with some antiseptic wipe, put a, a plaster, a band-aid on it, and given her a pair of flip-flops to go on her way. Now, later this week on Monday Thursday, we're celebrating when Jesus washed people's feet. I think this is kind of a modern-day equivalent of that. Now, we don't generally want people's feet washed these days, do we? But, you know, picking bits of glass out. And I think when every time we do that action, and our teams across the UK and around the world do that, we're kind of putting Jesus' love into action through the ordinary and the everyday. And when we give out flip-flops, and often it comes as such a relief, young ladies often tweet about us or go on Facebook and leave messages saying, thank God for the street angels and their flip-flops. See, the simple, the ordinary, the everyday, achieving the profound and the world-changing. So flip-flops. Has anybody here ever run a marathon? Oh, one. Did you get one of these at the end? Did they do that in America? In Britain, when you're in a marathon, they dress you up like a turkey at the end, and they put these foil blankets on. But in Britain, in, at night especially, um, it, it kind of gets cold. I'm sure you don't have that problem here. It's warm all year round here. Um, and the number of people that have suffered from hypothermia um, and, and just kind of gone out drinking, sat down on the step somewhere in their t-shirt and shorts. And, and, and So we go out, we wander around with these and just attack people with these foil blankets, literally sometimes. Um, but stuff like that, very, very simple things that just achieve the profound and the other. And we reckon we've saved lots of people's lives just through going up to them and handing out and giving them a foil blanket which keeps them warm, keeps in the heat and actually makes them safe for the night. Uh, another favourite one that we have um, are lollipops. Do you know what a lollipop is? A, ch a chubba cup. That, that's probably the... the uh, we wander around with, with lollipops. Does anyone want to guess why we give out lollipops? Low blood sugar is one, but have you ever seen anyone fighting with a lollipop in their mouth? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> if we see groups of men, it's always men kind of sizing up and, and getting ready for the, the fight. If we send in the, a volunteer, a little old lady works really well. 
And you say, excuse me, would you like a lollipop? Now all of a sudden, they're like, what? A lollipop? And because it's free, people like free things, don't they? They take the lollipop. By the time they've got the wrapper off, because the lollipop's always hard to unwrap, put it in the mouth, they've forgotten they were fighting. <laughs> so very, very simple things that just make a massive difference in our town and city centres. Uh, we haven't just stayed on the streets. Um, as this um, has developed over the last 11 years, we've kind of gone into lots of different areas. Um, one um, the, the lady that was heading up one of our street angels worked out that lots of the problems on the streets start inside the nightclubs or the pubs. Um, so she went to a meeting one day and said, look, we'd, we'd love to kind of trial street angels in a club. Um, and so this one club said, yeah, we'd love to welcome you in. So we de developed this thing called Club Angels. We wear T-shirts that say Club Angels on the front and um, chat, help, listen and care. P.S. where Christians, ask us more if you want on the back. And it's amazing, we just have teams of younger people, um, although there's a club angel in London that I met the other week that's 59, that goes into one of the nightclubs in London and kind of boogies the night away, uh, as well as helping people. And basically, they, they just kind of hang out in the nightclub and just join with what God is already doing in there. Uh, and it's amazing that young people are just desperate they're just desperate for someone to talk to. They're just desperate for someone who will connect with them, who will answer their questions, who will just listen to their problems and the issues that they're going through. Um, and the door staff, the, the, the big burly men that stand on the doors of these places, say that when the club angels are inside the club, there's less aggression, less violence, it's a much better atmosphere, and people have a nicer, safer night out. Isn't it great that the church is the answer? to all this aggression that's going on in nightclubs. Amen. We've also moved into festivals. Has anybody ever been to a music festival? Oh, there's, there's a few here. Um, in, in Britain, we have, um, probably, we have about 400 music festivals in Britain, uh, and a few really, really large ones. Um, back in 2011, this 83-year-old um, lady went to um, all the vicars in her area and said, we need to be at Leeds Festival. Leeds Festival is a massive festival. It's about 85,000 people, not a Christian event at all. Um, people come from all over, and there's all sorts of bands. Red Hot Chili Peppers were there last year, if you've heard of them. Guns and Oh, yeah, we've got a fan. <laughs> Guns and Roses were there the year before. So it pulls in sort of big bands, um, and it's all about making money. All of these festivals are about making as much money as you can out of the people that go. So tickets sell for about $300, $400. Um, a cup of coffee or a burger will sell for about $15. And it's all about let's make as much money as we can over the weekend. Uh, and this 83-year-old um, lady went to the, the vicars, the, the church leaders, and said, we need to be in Leeds Festival. And all the pastors went, yeah, right, you'll never get in there. So she went home, picked up the phone, got through to the top man of the, the company that organizes the festival, said, hello, we're from the local churches. Can we come in and do anything at the festival? And the man says, yeah, I tell you what, we'll put you up a tent, a marquee, free of charge. Come and do whatever you want. Now, that's quite an opening, isn't it? <laughs> free of charge. Now, space normally sells for thousands of pounds. So, so for them to give us free of charge. So the first year, they went, the local churches went in around a cafe, um, the second year, the, the local church went in and on a slightly bigger cafe. 
Um, the third year, the festival organizers phoned up um, the, the local pastor, said, look, we love what you guys are doing. First of all, um, we've seen these street angels that wander around city centers. Can we kind of have street angels at the festival that will wander around and help people and sort people out when they get into trouble and things like that? And also, we don't trust the company that run the lost and found tent. Can we... <laughs> we trust you. Can we pay you to come and run the lost and found? So he says, yeah, why not? So we've ended up at this massive music festival, 85,000 people, predominantly young people, um, running the lost and found tent, running a prayer cafe, and having detached teams that kind of wander around the festival site. And it's just great to be the church in amongst these 85,000 people, putting the church into places where people don't normally expect to find the church. Um, we, we worked out that we needed a sort of trendy logo and, and banners and all the rest of it. So we came up with this Jesus Loves Festivals um, logo. I don't know if you can see that. It's kind of a, a trendy looking Jesus with sunglasses on uh, and a stage with lots of people. Um, and we had, we've had several thousand of these Gospels made, Mark's Gospel in the message version. Um, so it's kind of a bit different to what most young people have read. And we just leave these out in the cafe. Um, so far, over two years, two, two festivals, we've had about 500 of these that have been taken from the tables in the cafe. And often the young people would sit and read it from cover to cover and then call a volunteer over and says, it says here this, what do you think about that? And it says there this, is this true, is this real? And it's just amazing, you know, most young people have not had that much contact with church or Christianity. You know, just to kind of put Jesus right at the heart of this festival just opens up so many opportunities for discussion. Uh, we had a man came into the prayer tent and he says, I don't believe in God. And one of our young volunteers had this, um, maybe the God that you don't believe in is the God that we don't believe in either conversation with him. After about 45 minutes, he left the tent and he says, well, you've convinced me, will you pray for me before I leave? What such a step... Um, with the detached team, we had um, a couple of young ladies who were struggling with their bags. Um, young ladies often, when they go to festivals, take six weeks' worth of makeup and supplies and all the rest of it with them, 15 tents and all the rest of it. Uh, and two young, of our younger volunteers helped them carry these bags um, for about two miles across the field and down paths and up hills um, to where they were camping. They obviously had the conversation as they were talking, uh, walking and talking and all the rest of it. Uh, that was on the Wednesday. On the Sunday, these two young ladies came up to two more of our festival angels and said, um, oh, we had this, we were really impressed by the help that you gave us on Wednesday. Uh, we've been thinking about it all week. Um, our parents aren't Christians. Is it all right if we become Christians? Well, yeah. <laughs> so it was great. We just kind of took them into the prayer cafe. We, we explained what Christian was, managed to put them in touch with the church in their hometown. And um, as far as I know, they're still connected in with that church. And, and so just by the ordinary and the everyday, we are achieving the profound and the world-changing. Um, someone else came into the prayer cafe and said, um, sort of chatted about Christianity, and he prayed the prayer of commitment. And the young volunteer said, it says in the Bible that when you pray this prayer, all of heaven breaks out into celebration. So they went off to the dance tent and spent two hours dancing to celebrate the... <laughs> <laughs> 
And one of the things that we do is um, we worked out that, that because cups of coffee and tea and hot water is so expensive, that we'd have um, some mugs made. And we'd sell these for five pounds, which is about seven, eight dollars. Uh, and that would entitle every person who has a mug to free tea and coffee and hot water for the entire festival. Uh, so we had 3,000 of these made, sold out. Um, the festival starts on Wednesday at 12 noon. We'd sold out by Friday at 12 noon, which is fantastic. But then can you imagine the queue of people at 9 o'clock in the morning as people wake up and want their morning coffee? And they sort of all stood there, about 500 people constantly in the queue outside our tent, in, in the line outside our tent, waiting for their morning cup of coffee. Um, but what a fantastic opportunity just to go and talk to people and just to be nice with them and be friendly with them and smile at them and ask them how they're doing and just show that as Christians, actually, we are fairly normal people. Actually, we care about them. Are we normal? I've got a few nods, a few, few not-too-sures there. <coughs> So that's festival work. Um, lost and found, as I'm sure, has all sorts of interesting things happen. We had an onion handed in last year. Somebody actually handed in an onion. Um, one person um, bought in a wallet containing £650. So that's probably about $800, $900. Um, we managed to trace the person whose wallet it was, um, who came to our lost and found tent, um, opened up his wallet, saw that all the money was still there, I won't tell you his exact response. It was along the lines of, goodness me. <laughs> but not it great that, that people find a wallet full of money on the floor, they don't pocket it, and they actually bring it to, to us to retrace their owner. Um, all sorts of interesting emails as well. Um, one, one man, I'll just tell you one of these actually. One man um, emailed in the morning saying, have you had my car, car keys handed in? Um, in the afternoon, he'd obviously been back to the festival site. This was a couple of days after the festival had finished. Uh, another email, have you had my car handed in? So, <laughs> uh, but just fantastic opportunities to be the church right at the heart of where young people are at. Uh, we had a, a great meeting um, just before Christmas with one of the, the uh, management of um, Festival Republic, we basically sat down and says, we love what you guys are doing. We love the dynamic that the church brings to our festival. We have five major festivals, always 60, 70, 80,000 people in the UK. We want festival angels at every single one of those festivals. Can you make it happen? Which I think is just fantastic. This non-Christian, um, the stuff goes on at the festivals that you just wish you'd never seen. Um, but they just love the dynamic that the church brings. Isn't that fantastic? So that's kind of our story. Uh, Jesus using the ordinary and the everyday in us to achieve the profound and the world-changing. Um, we head up this network now called the Christian Nightlife Initiatives Network, which kind of acts as an umbrella organization of about 130 of these projects. Uh, mainly in the UK, we've got a project in the Seychelles, um, some in Spain, some in Australia, one in Brazil. Um, that just kind of connect and we just kind of support one another, pray for one another, um, highlight the different things that are going on. Um, I'm often in places like the Downing Street, um, which is where the UK government is, um, talking to, to our Congress, our MPs as they call back in the UK, just sharing stories of what the church is doing and what Christians are doing through the power of prayer and action together, seeing change in our communities. 
Our Bible verse is from Isaiah 58:12. Your people will rebuild the cities that were destroyed long ago, and you will build again on the old foundations. You will be called the one who repairs broken walls. You will be called the one who makes city streets like new again. That's our call. We need to be the ones who repair the foundations, who make our city streets like new again. Are you up for that? Now, in the UK, in almost every area of life that dehumanizes people, the church is the main agency that's there delivering help week in, week out. Um, Whether it's food banks for people that perhaps suffer and and get into trouble and financial trouble and can't afford food, uh, through homeless, through addiction support, uh, through debt support, getting people out of debt. In every area of life that dehumanizes people, the church is the number one agency that is there sorting out problems and issues and demonstrating that the kingdom of God is a reality for people in the problems where they're at, getting them out of the problem and into the kingdom, which I think is fantastic. The Pope said recently, I prefer a church which is bruised, hurting and dirty because it has been out on the streets rather than a church which is unhealthy from being confined and from clinging to its own security. Do we want to be that sort of church? We might be a bit messy. It might mean that people come in that we don't particularly want in. It might mean that we see things that we don't particularly want to see. But we're demonstrating that God's kingdom is a reality out there, actually where it matters. Are we up for that? I know Steve's up for that. And Steve wants to see that vision and that heart here. And whatever it is, through the ordinary and the everyday, achieve the profound and the world-changing for other people. So that's our story. If you want to know more, we have a book. If you you didn't know people from the United Kingdom could write, we can. It's it's, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, Called Street Angels. I haven't bought any across because British Airways and American Airlines may have um, charged me a fortune to get them here. But uh, we do have a, a digital download that you can, um, can download it onto um, Kindle or ebook or Google Play or whatever. If you want to know more about that, there's some flyers there. Um, but yeah, that's kind of our story, just demonstrating that God's kingdom is a reality. If you want to know more, I'm here again tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Um, hopefully we'll see a Street Angels, the first Street Angels in the United States here in Wilmington. How cool would that be? (laughs) And the heart of it all is love the person in front of you. It's not not difficult stuff. It's giving out flip-flops, giving out lollipops, mopping people up if they've had a bit too much to drink, dealing with a bit of sick and a bit of blood. But just actually going out there and smiling at people, being nice, being the visible presence of God out there in this community. There we go. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you that you are the answer to every area of need within our communities. Lord, we thank you that your kingdom come, your will be done in Wilmington as in heaven is our vision and our mission and our call. Lord, help us to be a people that do that, that make that a reality, week in, week out, time and time again, for those in this community. 
Lord, help us to love the people in front of us. Help us to do the ordinary and the everyday to achieve the profound and the world-changing for others and for this community. Lord, help us respond to the call that you've put on our lives. Just to be, to show who you are, and to help others to find you and the love that you have for them. Amen. Amen.